You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you inspiration and resources to help you discover and live from your truest self. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping disciples of Jesus discover and live from their true identity in Christ, recognize and walk in their divine purpose within the kingdom of God, and experience growth in their capacity for mature, healthy relationships. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Ministries, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Here's your host, Tia McNelly. You are listening to season three, episode six. And yes, I'm Tia McNelly. And as always, I am joined by our producer and co-host, Jess Biondo. Hi, Jess. Hey, good to be with everybody again. Yes. Um, Very excited for today's interview. Oh my Um, word. So who is our guest? Well, today we have Holly Christine Hayes, who is a trafficking survivor. She is an author and she's an entrepreneur. Um, She's the founder and CEO of Sanctuary Project. Um, She's the author of From Basement to Sanctuary, which um, the subtitle of that book is Finding Healing and Transformation Through Surrender, which Mm -hmm. is so on theme for Collected. You guys are going to love hearing about Holly's yes to the Lord and what that led to in her life. She's an incredibly accomplished woman. And when you hear about her beginnings and um, the level of trauma and dysfunction that she overcame in order to be where she is today, you know that it was only the Lord working in her life. So here is Jess's interview with Holly Christine Hayes. Hey, Holly, welcome to the podcast. I'm so honored to be here. Thanks for having me, Jess. Yes, I'm so excited. And um I have been digging into your website a little bit. And as I've been looking at the work you do, I think that this will really connect with our listeners. So I'm excited to hear your story. Um, So if you could just start with a little bit about who you are, your background, and what the Sanctuary Project is and what led you to start it. I'm sorry, that's like five questions. (laughs) So uh, yeah, no problem. So my name is Holly Christine Hayes, and I am founder and CEO of Sanctuary Project. We're a survivor-run nonprofit organization um, and jewelry brand in Austin, Texas, and we employ women coming out of trafficking, violence, and addiction. Um, So I started Sanctuary Project in 2018. I'm a survivor myself. I came out of that life about 20 years ago. It'll be 20 years next month. And so after many years of mentoring other women who had also come out of trafficking and violence and addiction, I really found there was a gap in care around reintegration into society through employment and uh, and wanted to give women an opportunity and a second chance at life and uh, and help them to build job training skills. And uh, and so we do that with an incredible group of women here in Austin through Sanctuary Project. Wow. I mean, that I want to know more. So what led you to go with jewelry, I guess? And kind of how did it start in those early days? Yeah, so I had visited an organization in 2012 in Thailand that worked with women coming out of trafficking as well. And so they had rescued women out of the brothels in Bangkok and they trained them to make jewelry. And I got to see these women sitting together in community and making jewelry together. And all day long, they were making beautiful things. And um, and every time they would finish a piece, they would hold it up and I could see this sense of pride and joy and accomplishment on their faces mm-hmm. that they had made that. Um, and, and I saw what it was doing to their identity 
identity, that instead of women who were dancing for men or performing in these ways and, um, and in exploitation, they had transitioned into women who made beautiful things. Mm. And I, um, I loved that. I loved seeing what they created. Um, I didn't love the jewelry, to be candid. <laughs> you know, a lot of... <laughs> A lot of the compassion jewelry out there can have a certain look to it and it's not everyone's style. You know, a lot of it's like beaded and feathered and, and, and has a, um, a more sort of a crafty look, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I tended to be drawn to was, um, things that were a little bit more elegant or elevated and, um, daintier pieces and golds and silvers. And, and so I started to dream of creating this place that took all of those principles I'd seen work, but also had a line that um, created more trendy pieces and, and pieces that would appeal to uh, the mass market that, that would be something that you would buy at any, you know, at any given jewelry store or any, um, any clothing brand mm-hmm. uh, and something that, something that women would want to wear and talk about and, and, uh, and that their friends would say, oh, what a cute necklace. Tell me more about that so that they could talk about our work and our mission. That's amazing. And your jewelry is gorgeous. I was on your website and I already have some pieces in my cart trying to decide what I want to buy. It's also beautiful. And I heard recently that you are in Target now. Yeah, so we just got picked up by Target.com, and um, it's really incredible. So our our uh, you can purchase our pieces on their site now um, through Target.com. And the incredible thing about that um, is that they've actually partnered with us in a way that we're still able to handle all of the shipping and fulfillment. Um, oh, wow. So it's actually even better than being in the stores where um, we're actually handling the shipping and fulfillment from our offices in Austin, Texas, providing more employment for our women, which is just wonderful. Um, and and we're so honored. And um, and so that's been really exciting to have a partnership like that. And that's enabled us to employ even more women through, uh, through the holidays and uh, coming into this year. That's amazing. And um, at our, we do women's events um, with Collected Ministries and our main focus is helping women um, discover their true identity in the Lord and walk in their true passion, whatever that may be, and just figuring out what their yes is for God. And um, your yes seems to be this, and it seems huge, and that God is just completely blessing you and blowing you out of the water with it. But what are some surprising doors that He has opened since you first gave Him this yes? You know, it's so funny when you have those moments, those like, yes moments, I don't know, you know, if, if everyone listening has had a moment like that, but, but there's this surrender that happens where usually you're kind of coming through something and then you're like, okay, God, yes, like have all of me, take all of me, use me. Um, and you think it's going to be this like, um, I don't know, like a mountaintop experience or, you know, you start to have some of those dreams come true and you think, oh, okay, like it's going to feel this way or it's going to, it's going to look like this. Um, when I first said yes to the Lord, it was actually, uh, it, it was saying yes to jumping into this work in this ministry. Um, but it wasn't necessarily sanctuary project. So I actually originally said yes to vocational ministry and to mentoring other girls and to, um, and to doing sort of this work in the church. Um, and, um, and to, to creating spaces in the church where people could come in and feel welcomed and feel loved and, um, and find sanctuary. And, and when I, um, 
when I started down that road, I really had all these ideas in my head about what that should look like, about what that life and ministry should look like. A yes to God should look like working in the church, right? It should look like like working around Christians. It should look like, um, you know, doing vocational ministry, like all the, the typical kind of, you know, Christian work. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so one, one thing that was really surprising that happened to me when I, I first moved to Austin, Texas, I was coming out of vocational ministry. My husband and I got married. I was living in Paris, France and working for a church there. And then my husband and I got married and moved to the States, to Austin, Texas. And I had no idea what to do with myself and was like, okay, I've got to find another job in a church and I need to, you know, I need to figure out like which church I'm going to work for and how I'm going to do ministry. And it was so incredible. Like there were just no doors open in that realm when I got here. And I was like, okay, so what does this look like then in this season? I guess maybe I'll try to find an anti-trafficking organization to volunteer with. And there were no anti-trafficking organizations to volunteer with in Austin, Texas. And so as, as doors kept closing, I realized that, um, that God was opening different doors and, and was asking me to do something different in this season. And, um, and that was when he laid the sanctuary project on my heart and actually said, yeah, there, there isn't anyone doing this work really here in Austin, Texas. I'm going to need you to be that person. Mm-hmm. And you know, that jewelry line you've always dreamed of that was a compassion line that actually was on trend. We're going to bring that back and you're going to do that here in the States with women in Austin, Texas. And so it's been so surprising to make that transition from what I thought ministry should look like and what I thought a yes to God would look like, which would be like, I work in a church. I, um, I put on women's events, you know, I write books, I speak like whatever those like things are that you think Christian ministry should look like. He has turned it on its head in my life and said, no, actually you can do this in the marketplace. And actually I'm going to use, you know, your, your, um, your girly side and your fashion loving side. And I'm going to take that and I'm going to weave it together with, with my favor and my, um, and my heart for people. And, and you're going to, you know, do this whole other thing that I just never would have dreamed of. But it all came from that, that same yes and that same place of surrender and just saying, God, you know best where you, can use me. Mm-hmm. And and I'm so grateful it doesn't look like what I thought it, w- it would look like because there's been so much more impact. I've actually seen so many more lives transformed. I've been able to baptize so many more women mm-hmm. since I stepped into what I'm doing now versus what I thought it should look like. Yeah. What a beautiful reminder that God sees all of us and He knows what is best for us. And I mean, he created us. So he wasn't holding out on you with the closed doors. He was saying, wait till you see what I have in store. And I feel like someone out there today needs to hear that. Like God's not holding out on you if you've been getting a lot of no's lately. I don't know. I just feel him saying, precious daughter, wait till you see what it's leading to. Um, So I hope that just encourages someone today and... I mean, your story encourages me. It's it's a beautiful picture of God's redemption and um, just the way that He can surprise us when when we're open to it. Yeah, He's so much more creative than we are, you yes. know. And and He knows everyone, and He knows, you know, He He knows He knows what that perfect combination of your mm-hmm. giftings your skills, your life experience, and, uh, and, and how he wants to use that impact. He yeah. knows what that perfect combination is. And so we have all these ideas about what the world says are kind of the best ways he could use us. 
And yet, like, I have seen people have so much more impact, you know, in, in their local church serving coffee or, you know, or, um, or working in their job as an insurance salesperson mm. than they might have on a stage, you know, or then they might have, um, being, you know, being in, uh, in the public eye in some way. And so I think it's really important to remember that God's heart is about impact and his heart is about, is about finding the lost and, and having them meet him. And so we can better do that sometimes when we're outside of, of the box of, of ministry or the church, because that's where the lost are. That's where the people who don't know him yet are. And so I think like, I, yeah, I, I I do want to, I love that you called that out. And I do want to encourage there's, you know, there's someone listening who thinks that their ministry was supposed to look a certain way, but it's actually happening right now. You're in your ministry. Mm -hmm. You are living your ministry right now, right where you are. Amen. Yes. I, I echo that, that, that is powerful truth. Um, I'm getting emotional now. I feel like I really hope if you're out there and that really strikes a chord with you, email us. I'd love to hear yeah. more about your story. Um, Digital altar call. Come, come find yes, us and tell yes. us. Unless <laughs> you were the person who needed to hear yes, that. Yes, I, I would yeah. love to hear from you. Um, so throughout all this journey that God has had you on, was there ever a time that you questioned the path you were on? And then how did you wrestle through that? Yeah, you know, I think I, what my biggest journey and struggle with that has been around the sharing of my story. Mm. Um, you know, I, I don't have any shame about it. Um, I, I feel very blessed and I think that's supernatural. Um, but it's also not an easy thing to talk about. Mm. And, um, and it's not an easy thing to talk about in the church to be candid. Um, you know, I, I felt for a lot of years like I needed to hide my story. Um, that I, that, that if people knew the full truth, that they wouldn't, that I wouldn't get to be in ministry the way I wanted to be, right? Like I thought that, I thought that the things I had done would disqualify me. And I think what, um, you know, what I spent so many years trying to look right in the church, trying to, um, trying to behave in just the right ways so that I would be accepted in the church. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny to say that because I came from like so far from that. Like I didn't grow up in the church. I had no, I didn't even know any Christians, but I'm an achiever. I'm an Enneagram three. I'm an achiever. And so as soon as I showed up in the church, I was like, what do I have to do to be perfect at it? I'm going to do it. You know, like, how do I be the perfect Christian? What do I say? How do I dress? What do I like? Okay. I'll wear cardigans, you know, like whatever it was, it was like, okay, I am this person now. I am this perfect Christian girl now. And I, hid who I truly was for a, for a long time, um, trying to be like the other women in the church. Um, you know, and maybe I would give like a little, like, you know, oh, that one time when I was in jail and people would be like, what, (laughs) you know? Um, and it wasn't just one time I was in jail, you know, like I was in jail many times and for many days and for, you know, and so I, but I would test the waters and people were so shocked by my story. And so I, I felt like it was easier to just hide it. And I think today, and you know, the, this journey happened slowly, but, um, but when I started to open up and I started to share more of it, um, 
there was shock and there was, you know, there was a, there, I, I did experience all of the, um, the things I feared I would experience or potentially even the judgment of other people. But, but what I've seen is that God has brought all the right people into my life and, um, and has, has put the people around me that knew that he knew my story would minister to. And so I think that, um, I think that, that, that path of that path of perfect Christian was leading actually to destruction and that the path of vulnerable, real Christian who shares her real story and her real struggles and what God has really done has actually had impact. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that really stands out to me is that you mentioned the things you feared did also happen. Yeah. You know, sometimes our fears come to fruition, but that doesn't mean God's still not there working in it to make his good happen. Um, Yeah. 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 I think we can retreat sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I think we let our fears stop us of like the worst case scenario, but sometimes the worst case scenario is actually good for us. You know, it was actually good for me to start being honest about who I was. And yes, I lost some things along the way. Um, there were relationships, dating relationships that were not right for me when I started being honest. Um, but, but thank God, because then I met my husband who is, you know, and there were jobs that were not right for me because of, you know, of my lifestyle and what I'd been through. And that's okay too, because now look at like, now I get to do this job that's so far beyond anything that wasn't right for me. And so I think it's really, you know, yes, there were, there are losses, I think when we're, when we're bold about who we are and what we believe and what we've been through. Um, But there, every closed door is leading us more and more to the right doors in God's kingdom. And every no is actually getting us closer to that big yes, that that's the life we actually belong in. Yeah, uh, that is so powerful and so true. And you actually wrote a book about your story. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your book and maybe a little more about um, your actual story? You've referenced it a few times, but on the listener end, now we're like, wait, she was in jail? What? What is her story? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So I, um, from a very young age, uh, suffered from some abuse in my childhood that, um, that really left an imprint on my life and heart. And, um, and as I got a little bit older, I found drugs and alcohol as an escape for that. And, um, and I started drinking and using drugs every day by the time I was 15. Um, by 16, I dropped out of high school and got arrested for the first time. Um, I actually had my first of five abortions that year um, when I got pregnant from my drug dealer. I, um, by 18, was getting arrested all the time and, um, and, and actually started working uh, as a sex worker, as a stripper at that point. Um, and at 19, I met my trafficker and, um, and he spotted me from across the room and recognized that I had that perfect combination of addiction and low self-esteem and a history of violence. And, um, and he targeted me and, um, and started a relationship with me. And, uh, that relationship became violent very quickly. And then, uh, and then he started, um, exploiting me and selling me to other men early in that relationship. And, um, 
after, uh, after a short time of that, I uh, kept getting drunk and high and not showing up for the jobs he was lining up for me. So he actually kicked me out. And at that point, I had lost everything. Um, even my trafficker didn't want to be in a relationship with me anymore. And um, I, was, I was homeless and addicted and, and really lost. And I was on the floor of a public bathroom and three words fell out of my mouth. I said, God help me. And that very night I met someone who got me into a recovery program and I've been sober since that day and um, got, got out of that, uh, that exploitation and um, ultimately found a place to live and just started on this journey of a whole new life. And so um, I have shared about that in, in the book from basement to sanctuary, but um, a lot of from basement to sanctuary is actually about the things I learned in the basements of churches for years, going to those recovery meetings and, um, you know, I didn't even know who that God was that saved me. It took me a lot of years to figure out who God was and, uh, and to ultimately discover that it was Jesus. Um, and, and for years I went to churches and would, um, sit in these meetings in the basement and I learned there how to surrender to God and I learned there how to build a relationship with God, but I still didn't know who God was. Um, so imagine my surprise when it was Jesus and, <laughs> um, and, and imagine my surprise when, when I, when it was the Bible, um, I just never would have expected, I never would have expected that that was, uh, where I would find God. And so, um, yeah, after, after many years of, of seeing so many miracles taking place in the basements of churches and, mm-hmm. and having so much of my own spiritual formation happen in the basements of churches, I feel really passionate about people in the sanctuary learning about what goes on in the basement um, and, and, and why people who are coming out of a life of trauma and addiction and violence and trafficking would feel more comfortable going into the basement of the church mm-hmm. than the sanctuary sometimes. Um, because I think as much as we pray in the sanctuary that God would save all the lost and the addicts and the brokenhearted and bring them into our church, um, when they actually get there, we don't often know what to do with them. And uh, we don't always know how to love them right where they're at. And so that's something that um, that the basement meetings did really well, was just loving people right where they were at and welcoming them and making them feel accepted and whole and and um, treasured and uh, and then from there from that that identity of acceptance is where really growth and spiritual progress starts to happen thank you for sharing that and just thank you for being so honest and for your whole life of just following the lord now and changing pe- women's lives and helping them get out of this and um it it's just very inspiring and amazing. And you are a complete inspiration. Aww, so thank you for your yes to the Lord, because I mean, I know how, how many women are you currently employing? Um, I, I right saw it on your have, website. Yeah, right now we have 12. We've employed 28 women total over the last two and a half, almost three years and provided more than 10,000 hours of employment. I think we're at like 12 or 13,000 hours of employment now, which that is really incredible. Is amazing. That just blows me away. Sorry, I, yeah. I'm being kind of awkward. I know this is a podcast, and so I'm supposed to have the, you know, fluent <laughs> words, but I'm kind of at a loss for words right now. I'm just very amazed by you and just God's faithfulness and provision. And um, so... Um, yeah, he's so good. He's he so, is, so good. he is. So I'll move on to another question. Um, kind of to connecting to your story and um, maybe people 
out there who might not know signs of if someone's being trafficked or in a um, kind of precarious situation or what are some of the signs people can look for just on a more practical level and how can we actively advocate um, to eradicate this and advocate for women and men who are in these situations? You know, the best thing you can do as um, as an advocate is to support the local organizations who are on the ground already doing this work. Um, pretty much every town in America at this point probably has an anti-trafficking organization who's immersed in the community, who has the connections with law enforcement, and who's, um, and who's working with survivors to help them find the resources to recover. So that's the single best thing you can do to be an advocate. Um, you know... The, the average person going through their day is probably not going to spot or, or be able to point out, um, a trafficking situation. Okay. It's, um, you know, it's happening, it's happening in hidden places. It's happening in hotel rooms. It's happening a little bit more underground. Um, and so you may not come across it in your life. You may even see someone and have no idea they're being trafficked. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a college student at the time. So I was, I looked just like everyone else. You could have talked to me for, you know, four hours and never have known that that was going on for me. Um, and so that's where it's really important for, um, for, for the people who are on the ground doing the work for first responders like hospitals and police officers to be really educated about trafficking and understanding some of the signs. Um, it's not for us, you know, as like the lay people to do mm-hmm. that work. Um, but, it, but a lot of what we see in terms of women getting out, it happens with, in relation to an arrest. Um, so one of the best places we can um, pour our resources and education is into law enforcement. Um, when law enforcement understand what trafficking signs are and can identify a victim or a survivor, they can actually help connect them to resources. And then you've separated the, the woman or girl from her trafficker. Um, it's so difficult. A lot of times, you know, this is uh, the, all, the, the vast majority of trafficking situations are happening with a known person. So it's someone that you're in a relationship with. It could be a family member, a boyfriend, um, it, you know, they call it lover boy or Romeo pimp. But most of the time, a trafficking victim is not trying to get help. They're not trying to escape. Um, they don't see themselves as a victim. They actually see themselves as, as complicit in it and in this relationship. And so what happens when law enforcement can get, gets involved is they're separated for the first time from that exploiter, from that trafficker. And you can start to actually reason with them and explain that the situation they're in is dangerous, that it's exploitive and that it's not something they're choosing and, and then start to help them get out. Um, so yeah, partnering with your local organizations, understanding that this is law enforcement that needs to be actually doing this work hmm. and, uh, and then hospitals and, and first responders and, um, in medical offices are, are, uh, getting them educated is another really important factor. Hmm. That's good. Thank you. That's very practical. And we'll put some links in our show notes of things specific. We're based in um, Charlotte, North Carolina. So we'll post some things specific to Charlotte. Um, But if you're a listener not in Charlotte, um, I'm sure there's tons of resources out there for who to contact and, you know, the appropriate law enforcement and things like that. Um, So as we're starting to wrap up, I'm just wondering if there's anything specific that you feel like God has laid on your heart right now um, of something new he's teaching you? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing I'm learning in this season is that I can do it all 
but I need, uh, I need help. Mm. (laughs) Um, you know, I think, uh, I just became a mom last year and, uh, and that's been, um, the, the most beautiful and rewarding thing I've ever done in my life. But I also had a two-year-old business when I, um, when I had my first baby. And so, um, so it's been, uh, it's been a season of working harder than I've ever had to work in my life. And, um, and then also, you know, learning a new normal of, of being a mom. And I think the biggest thing I've learned is, um, is that, that, uh, we are blessed as Christ followers to live in community with one another. And, um, and we need each other. We need, we need, um, we need to surround ourselves with people who, uh, who we can pour into and who are pouring into us. Um, you know, I, I could not do what I do in life without the women who support me. Um, I couldn't support other women and, and survivors and, and do the work I do without those people who are pouring into me, who are speaking life over me, who are praying for me, who are mentoring me. Um, they've just become more and more vital the more I pour into others. Um, the other thing I'm learning, so I, I used to dance ballet and, um, and I, I just picked it up again recently just to like be moving my body. And, um, and, and it's all about balance. Like so much of ballet is about balance and, um, and something that God was really speaking to me about in class the other day was like, balance is always about making small adjustments. It's always like, you know, practically speaking in ballet, it's always like, oh, just like slightly adjust your rib cage or just slightly adjusting your, um, you know, your center of gravity. And I think it's the same in life. You know, I, um, I've found that, that sometimes like when life feels out of balance, I'll think I need to make this big, massive change and I need to remove this thing from my life. And, you know, I need to go in this whole other direction, or maybe I need to start a whole new career. But really, I think a lot of times finding that, that sense of balance is about just making really tiny tweaks and adjustments to our life. Do I need a little more prayer? Do I need a little less social media? Do I need a little more friendship? Do I need a little less anxiety? Whatever that is, finding those little tweaks um, are often the uh, make the biggest impact in, in finding balance in life. Mm. That is an amazing note to end on. I knew there was a little something else there. It's like, mm-hmm. she's got something for us. Um, so as we wrap up, where can the people find you? So you can find Sanctuary Project at sanctuaryproject.com. You can also find us on target.com. And, uh, and we're Instagrammers uh, over at Sanctuary Project. So you can find us there at, at sanctuary underscore project and find me at, um, at Holly Christine Hayes. Perfect. And I'll put links to all of those on our blog and in our show notes. And people go buy this jewelry. It is gorgeous. And it's like the easiest way that you can support the most amazing cause and have direct impact on these women that are survivors and that are um, rebuilding their lives. So go treat yourself to some jewelry and don't feel bad about it. Yeah, (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yes, thank you so much, Holly. Thank you, Jess. Jess, what a challenging interview. to be on our side of the the Zoom call, right? You did a mm-hmm. phenomenal job taking all of that in. Um, she has such an emotional story. Yeah. And um, it's incredible to watch someone who has shared their story again and again be able to, to share it in a way that's still so raw and honest and yet so triumphant. Mm-hmm. There's so much victory 
um, and the tone of her story. Um, but there was one thing that she said, and this is, if you're a regular listener, this will be no surprise to you that this kicked my butt a little bit. Um, but when she was talking about how, when she initially started um, becoming involved in the church and in ministry, um, she was trying to portray something that was not her true self. And this like put together Christian who doesn't actually mention all of the things, all of the beautiful redemption in her story, because it puts people off or makes them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And when she finally started being her true self and sharing her story and being real about what God had done in her life, it completely opened up new avenues of ministry. And the Lord has really been talking to me about that this year about presenting outwardly outside your home, outside your your intimate circle of friends um, and family, the true you. There was a study that I heard about recently that said that we only present our true selves to others about 15 minutes a day. Oh, and wow. And that's really sad. Yeah. That's just not who I want to be. And I almost feel like I need to give a warning to the public that like more and more <laughs> the true authentic tea is going to be coming out, you know, on the internet and in this podcast and on my social media, in my writing, because that is who God has called me to be. And to mm-hmm. not let that show is, is an injustice to his name, in my opinion, at this point. And so, um, yeah, Maybe I could ask for some grace while I practice that too. You know, I think we have to extend grace to people as they um, explore what it looks like to allow their true selves to be seen. It's a risk. It is a risk to allow yourself to be seen, but it's so rewarding as Holly shared. I was so moved by, by her story. Oh yeah. I was too. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was so much to unpack in the interview. You know, we could have just kept talking to her, but I encourage listeners to get her book because there's so much goodness in it. And, you know, over and over, her story has so much trauma, but it always points back to the Lord and Mm -hmm. the redemption and the healing um, and just a powerful, powerful book. Um, So we'll have a link to that in the show notes, definitely. the thing that I loved about the concept that from from basement to sanctuary, when when she shared about meeting people exactly where they are, I feel like that's a very right now message. Mm. Um, that we as believers, we as the church, are being challenged more than ever to meet people exactly where they are and to accept them exactly where they are, and that's hard for this girl. <laughs> that is super challenging for me. I, I I don't know why, and I have some more exploration to do mm. with that, but she's right. I think sometimes we don't know what to do with people when we find them in a way that, or in a set of circumstances that we have never experienced or seen before, um, or it may be coming from a completely different culture. I think there's like almost a culture shock kind of thing that happens there. And um, I think we have so much to learn from Holly about that. 
So I'm excited to jump deeper into her work. And um, you guys go over to target.com and buy some of this gorgeous jewelry. It's It's so incredible. I love it. It's so on trend right now. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. It's beautiful. Well, happy new year, everyone. We're so, so glad to be back with you in 2021. We pray peace and blessings over all of you as you listen and as you move on with your day. And uh, we will see you back here in two weeks. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries. If you would like to support Collected by making a tax-deductible contribution, please visit collectedministries.org slash donate. The Collected Podcast is also on Patreon at patreon.com slash thecollectedpodcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Become a patron for as little as a dollar a month to gain access to bonus content, early bird ticket sales, giveaways, and more. You can also find Tia at Tia McNelly Notes and Jess at Spreza Foundry. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to support and prevent unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected Podcast is produced by Jess Biondo and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Elan.